You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey there, Duke fans. DBR Bites, episode number 38, coming at you. Got a preview again coming up against Louisville. And we got a little other stuff. We got some other things to chat about. We'll get to that after the break. But first, we're going to do the, the, you know, the game coming up against Louisville. I am Jason Evans. I'm guiding you along this week. Joining me, as always, my buddy, my man, Donald Wine. What's going on? Hey, if you guys didn't listen, uh, 600, episode 600 came out, what was it, yesterday, Jason? Yes, we got it. We got to let the people know that if you didn't, if you have skipped over 600, first of all, never skip over 100, never skip over 100 episode because Kenny, the dog, Denard is amazing. Go back and listen to the episode. And if you've listened to it once, listen to it again, because I'm sure you're going to find something <laughs> you didn't laugh at before because you're too busy laughing at something else that Kenny Denard said. Donald, do you know that we have done episodes in six of the past seven days? <laughs> uh, yes, I did know that. Um <laughs> This, We've been this busy. Is it, this, this is what it's about. We're we're almost at the end of February. March is upon us. There's a lot going on in the world of college basketball and Duke. And it feels like every other day there's something to talk about. So here yeah. we are. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Like I said, we're going to start with the Louisville Cardinals coming to play uh, the, the Blue Devils for the second time this season. Of course, we played them back in uh, mid to late January. Final score was 83 to 69. The Duke uh, won that game at Louisville this time. The Cardinals are coming to play here in Cameron. Uh, this is not a good team. Uh, they have a great reputation over the course of the history of college basketball, Louisville does. They have not been very good in recent years. Donald, I will let you give me a little bit of, you know, what they've done lately 
I think everybody knows what they've done lately is lose a lot. Yeah, well, Louisville, as you mentioned, has not been a great team over the last few seasons. Right now, uh, when we look at their schedule, or at least their record, they're 8-19. They're 3-13, which is dead last in the ACC. But, Jason, this is better than they were at this point last year. They've already doubled their win total from a year ago. But, again, not not great times down over there at the Yum Center. Um, as you mentioned... Yeah, dude, progress is progress, right? <laughs> hey, progress is progress. But progress can be slow, as dictated by uh, the Louisville Cardinals. They're 190 in Ken Palm, 206 in the net. And Jason, as you mentioned, since they played Duke back on January 23rd, you were in the Atlantic. So I don't think you saw uh, a lot of that game, if any. You probably saw some highlights. But it was they're 2-6 and six since then. They've lost three in a row to this point by, uh, by 12 to BC, 27 to Pitt, and by 22 to Notre Dame. So they, they've really been struggling as of late. And last time we played Louisville, as you mentioned, 83-69 was the final score. That was a game where Cal Filipowski had 17 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, a block, and a steal. But it might have been trumped by a couple other guys. Mitchell, Mark Mitchell had 20 points, 12 rebounds. And Tyrese Proctor had 24 points, backed off four threes. And he also had four assists. There was a lot of guys who did a lot of great things in that game, but what was most important about that is that we, we talked about how important the rebounding battle has been to Duke this year. They out-rebounded Louisville 43-28, to 28, and that difference of 15 is present in the offensive rebounding category. That's 15 offensive rebounds in the number 43. Uh, that was the total rebound. So they did a lot of good things. Obviously, it wasn't a perfect game, and of course, against Louisville, it, it it was a it was a game that they were up for. Obviously, they tried to keep it close, and we kind of pulled away. But Louisville has not been great this year. This is a game that, as we look at the rest of the schedule, this is a game that we need to win. It's not a game that we uh where we have oh this is a tough team coming in. This is a team that we absolutely need to take care of business against. And this is a, actually an important game, Jason. Given that we just lost Wake Forest, this is a chance for us to get back in the win column and actually get back to doing some of the things right that will lead to some of these. You know, details helping us down the stretch. I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. It would be unconscionable to lose this game. It it would, uh, it would give the NCAA committee every right to question uh, a tremendous amount about Duke's resume and about the potential of this Duke team. Um, let let me go ahead and do a little bit of the metrics, and then Donald, I do want to discuss the possibility that Duke will be without some key players in this contest because mm-hmm. we've, we've heard about that. But I'll do the advanced metrics first, as you mentioned. They're number 190 in Ken Palm. By the way, a year ago, they were number 290 in Ken Palm. And earlier this season, they were in the 220s. So, hey, 190, progress, right? <laughs> it's not still, progress that you're looking for. You want, want no. to go further up than that. but No, it's still abysmally bad for a Power 5 team. Uh, this Louisville club plays fairly fast, especially on defense, where they are really awful. They just <laughs> they let teams shoot quickly because the teams are getting good shots against them. There are a lot of teams that put up um, scores in the upper 80s and 90s. It is not impossible to imagine that Duke will top 100 points in this game. Um, on offense, they do a nice job. I'm going to tell you the one thing they do well. They do a nice job of driving the ball to the bucket and getting to the free throw line. Their free throw rate is among the top 40 teams in the country. And once they get there, they they hit their free throws pretty nicely um, at, be- at about 75%. Um, the two guys to watch out for that, the guys who look like they do most of the drawing of the fouls are uh, Tyler Johnson and Mike James. But there's not a lot else 
that Louisville does well on offense with the ball in their hands. They commit a lot of turnovers, commit turnovers on 18% of their possessions. Almost one out of every five Louisville possessions turns into a turnover. That's 241st in the country. Uh, they're among the bottom 50 teams at three-point field goal shooting. Um, they don't even hit half of their two-point field goals. Um, more than 10% of the shots they attempt end up getting blocked. They, they're Look, they're a really, really young team. Almost all these guys are freshmen and sophomores, and they just haven't really figured out what works at this level. On defense, uh, they don't block a lot of shots. They don't get a lot of steals. They're bottom 100 in the country in both of those categories. They allow teams to hit better than 36% of their three-pointers. That's a big number. 36% of your threes is really good. Teams hit better than 53% of their two-point field goals. Both of those, like, among the bottom 50 teams in the country in terms of Louisville on defense. And then just very quickly on the boards in terms of rebounding, they're, you know, basically just an average team at both ends of the floor, you know, on both offensive and defensive rebounding. Ken Pomeroy says Duke wins this game 88 to 66. He thinks it'll be a 22 point win, Donald. Um, And that should tell you all you need to know about whether or not Duke should win this game. The more important thing is probably how do they look winning it and who plays with the Blue Devils. So before we get to that, I will mention you, you noted that you wouldn't be surprised if Duke puts up 100 in this game. Well, Jason, there's only one team this year that has put up 100 points in a Louisville game, and that actually was Louisville. Louisville in a win against Florida State, they put up 101 points. Most of the teams that you see play Louisville, they end up in the 80s, like mid-80s, sometimes even high 80s. They have a couple of teams that have scored in the 90s against them. But no one has scored 100 against them. Here's why. Louisville, especially early in the season, was so bad that you almost had to play down to Louisville's level to win the game. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about when we like you you don't want to play down to your opponent, but their 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 flow was so erratic and chaotic that you had it's like driving in Miami. Jason, I lived in Miami. Drive in Miami. You cannot drive safe in Miami to drive safe in Miami. If that I don't I don't know if that makes sense to you, but if you live in Miami or have been to Miami, you understand sometimes you have to drive like a bat out of hell to survive because they're so bad at driving that you have to <laughs> adapt to your environment to survive. That's Louisville basketball. Sometimes you have to play down to Louisville's level to be successful. And a lot of teams have found that they sometimes don't shoot well in stretches against Louisville. Sometimes they're very chaotic. The, the flow of the offense seems to be erratic and, and, you know, they're trying to rush stuff up and it's because they're trying to get into this, this system where Louisville is so terrible that they can't pull Louisville up with them. They have to go down and get them. And that's what Duke in a way needs to avoid because playing down to a team's level is just recipe for disaster in most teams, yes, Louisville has not been good enough to overcome uh, teams who do that. But I do think when it comes to Duke, they have to figure out a way to play within the flow of their offense. The great thing is, Jason, this game is in Cameron. So we will have the tempo on our side. We will have the momentum on our side. We will have the crazies on our side. So there's going to be some opportunities for Duke to be successful. But it starts with them figuring out how they're going to play, everyone knowing their roles, and deciding between which players end up getting on the court where they are spacing is going to be important in this game and getting off good shots. Because if you get off good shots, Louisville is going to allow you to do that. So if you get off good shots and make them, it's going to be a long night for Louisville. But if you start to be chaotic in your offensive approach, that's where Louisville wants to take advantage of you. All right, let's get to the blue devils because that's probably what is, is what matters more in this contest. 
Uh, there's been endless, nonstop chatter about Kyle Filipowski in the wake of him being injured by the Wake fans in the court storming on Saturday. We're, we're you know, we're done with that for the moment. We're not going to discuss it more unless there's something substantive that happens beyond speculation and outrage. And I, I will say moment, I will say very quickly yeah. that we've gotten a lot of emails about people asking if the ACC plans to respond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the answer is, as I mentioned on the other one other podcast, don't wait by the phone for an answer from the ACC. It's not coming imminently. Uh, a couple of people, I think it was, was it uh, uh, our friend Michael sent us an e- or email, sent us an article about, oh God, it yes. said the title was ACC plans to look into court storming. It was from 2013. So if you're <laughs> if you're waiting for them to do something now, we're still waiting on them to do something from almost 11 years ago. So don't wait by the phone. Don't wait by your emails or, or, or you know, wait for your notifications to pop up. The ACC, in my mind, is not planning on doing something, nor am I expecting them to until the end of the season where they may address it. OK, right. So, again, we're putting this aside for the moment. But Cal Filipowski is questionable for this game. I, I do think there will be some Duke hater backlash if he plays. Obviously, look, there's Duke's decision about whether to play Kyle Filipowski has nothing to do with what the haters think. But if Flip does play in this game, you're going to hear a lot of people saying, see, he wasn't really hurt. This court storming isn't a big deal, which may be the stupidest take I've heard since people said Kyle Filipowski deserved it or started it or whatever else it may be. Bottom line is, I believe, based on what we've heard a little bit, based on the rumblings coming out of Duke, that Flip is pretty close to being able to play. Um, they may they may exhibit just an, a real abundance of caution and not put him in, but but I think it's at least, I'd say it's more likely than not that Kyle Filipowski plays in this game. So let's turn to the other Duke player who, who may be injured, and that's Caleb Foster. Uh, look, as much as we've heard that Kyle Filipowski is fairly likely to play, the rumblings coming out of Duke are that Caleb Foster probably isn't going to play. He hurt his ankle in the game against Wake Forest. And, you know, we didn't hear much about that because there was so much furor over the the end of the game and the court storming and Kyle being hurt. But that's apparently the reason that Caleb Foster played very little in the second half against Wake Forest, that he'd, he'd bothered his ankle in some way. And the rumblings coming out of Durham, again, Duke is not going to tell you a lot about any of these player injuries. They are very circumspect and very quiet. But the rumblings coming out of Durham are, I, I've heard that, you know, there's expectations Caleb Foster could even miss a couple games. We won't know, I don't, pretty significantly, I think, perhaps providing opportunities for a Jalen Blakes to play a little bit more, maybe even, you know, sprinkling down if you move the rotations around a bit, maybe there's extra time for TJ Power or Sean Stewart as a result of something like this. Jason, I know in the press conference, I guess on Monday, that John Shire had mentioned, was a, I don't know if it was Monday or Sunday, but in his, his press conference, his most recent one, he mentioned that Kyle Filipowski and Caleb Foster were not uh, were not practicing with the team and in an effort to hopefully make it where they may be ready. But they've listed, as you mentioned, they've listed them both as questionable. And the fact that that Caleb Foster is more doubtful and Kyle Filipowski is more on the probable end of the questionables like spectrum, right? He, he's still questionable, but like if if there's a if you're flipping a coin on who's going to play, I'm flipping the coin and calling Kyle Filipowski. Caleb Foster at this point I think it's interesting because with Caleb Foster out uh, it doesn't change a lot of what we do because we have a bunch of guards we can stick in of course we'll miss him but at least with Caleb Foster we have some guys who can cover some of the ground that he would cover Kyle Filipowski being out would change the trajectory of this game and change the the total flow of what we do because a lot of our offense 
is engineered around getting him the basketball. So uh, that would mean that it's it's going to be big boy time for a few guys to, uh, that are on the bench, right? Sean Stewart's going to have to play some more minutes. Mark Mitchell's going to have to play bigger guys and step up as far as on defense. Ryan Young's going to have to pick up the slack. He's probably going to start. So like, there's a lot of things that change when it comes to Kyle Filipowski being in the lineup or out of the lineup. So that's the one I'm, uh, if I'm if I have to be more concerned about one of those players, it is Kyle Filipowski. Feels like he will play. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it'll probably fall to Ryan Young to pick up a lot of that slack, and and this could be a good opportunity for Sean Stewart to get minutes again. I've been I, I, I'll I'll just say it. I'll be honest. I've been upset that John Shire has not found a way to get more minutes for Sean Stewart. I know we've been playing really important games. Um, and look, I don't see these guys in practice to know everything that's going on. But I know that when Sean Stewart plays, I see glimpses, I see flashes, and I really would love to see him get a little more time. I, I don't want it to be because Kyle Filipowski's out, but if that's the way it has to be, that's you know that's the way it has to be. Um, hey, Donald, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're, we're done with the Louisville talk. We're going to get to some other stuff, including some projections about who, who may be back in Durham next season to play with the outstanding recruiting class headed to Duke. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Donald, we are back from the break, and I just want to very quickly, we don't have to spend much time on this. Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN has done his first 2025 mock draft. 2024 ain't even here yet, man. <laughs> he's, hey, he's mock already... drafts are, are in operations. Like, it's like bracketology. They're, they're year-round, and sometimes you have to think into the future. There you go. There you go. So he's done his first 2025 mock draft. I want to stress something here, which is that 
yeah, there's a piece of this that is Jonathan Gavoni just, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. But he's talking to NBA people. He's talking to scouts. He's talking to people at the college level. I'm not saying he has insider information on all the decisions that are going to be made. But he's got some hints. He's got some inkling. And I think probably he sort of knows what NBA scouts might tell some of these kids if they are wondering, oh, should I turn pro or should I return, should I return to Duke? In terms of Duke, here's what he says about the 2025 draft. The number one pick, he says, will be Cooper Flagg, freshman headed to Durham this uh, this coming fall, or this, actually probably this summer. He'll be on Duke's campus fairly soon. But he says Cooper Flagg will be the number one pick. No surprise there at all. Um, now, this is not a guy who's committed to Duke yet, but he says the number three pick in 2025 will be Kamen Maluk, who we've talked about extensively on this podcast, seven-plus feet tall, He has not yet committed anywhere. He's looking at several blue bloods. He's looking at staying in Africa. He's looking at the G League. Donald, I'm hearing some rumblings. I'm hearing some rumors. The Duke's in really, really good shape on this guy. He would be a absolutely elite rim protector and a really, really interesting offensive piece. He's probably better shooting three-pointers than he is around the basket on offense, Mm -hmm. Um, but a, a really, really interesting guy and a position potentially of need for Duke in the post. So he says that Maluak would be number three. Isaiah Evans, freshman on his way to Durham. Jonathan Gavoni says Isaiah Evans will be a lottery pick. He has him at number 13. Okay, now here are the interesting ones that Jonathan Gavoni has in the 2025 draft, because these are names of people that will be very familiar to folks who are currently fans of the Duke Blue Devils. He has Tyrese Proctor going number 30. He has Caleb Foster at number 41 in next year's, the 2025 NBA draft. And he has Mark Mitchell, at number 56, Jonathan Gavoni is saying to you that Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell, two guys who we think might turn pro, he thinks they will both be back in Durham next year and that they will be then members of the 2025 NBA draft class. Donald, you know, that's a big deal. By the way, the other thing he's essentially saying to you is Jared McCain is leaving this year. <laughs> that we're only going to get one season out of Jared McCain. But hey, you know, interesting trade. Would you take a second year of Jared McCain over a third year of Proctor and Mitchell or or flip-flop that? I don't know, but uh, I, for a Duke fan, you tell me that we're getting Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell back, back for next year. That Combined with that unbelievable recruiting class we got coming in and some of the guys that we are pretty confident are going to be back. Wow, wow, wow. Look, I I, I, I like Jonathan Gavoni. Uh, I think he does great work over at ESPN. Having, having said all that, this is way too early to take any of this to the bank. Teams aren't necessarily, when you look at mock drafts, even for this year's mock draft, right? 2024 teams are not necessarily going to be in that order. Their needs are going to change. Some of these players are not going to be in the draft. Some people who are not on this list will be in the draft. Wait, it, dude, it, you ran into my parade here. You ran into my parade. I was enjoying I'm, this. <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. So I'm just, I'm just letting people know that like, this doesn't necessarily mean that even Javoni thinks that these guys are coming back, right? These are names that you can throw in. Again, this is a 2025 mock draft. Tyrese Proctor, Caleb Foster, and Mark Mitchell, I have seen in 2024 mock drafts because no one really knows at this point what these guys are going to do, along with the other guys who have decisions to make this summer. You mentioned Kyle Filipowski. You mentioned Jeremy McCain. I know that the the McCains were on here, and they said, hey, that's a conversation for after the season, so we're going to let them stand on that. I think the one thing that I would feel confident putting money on is Cooper Flag going number one to whoever's number one. Like that's 
that's an easy that's an easy pick. Um, <laughs> if he had put him anywhere but number one, this article would have gotten way more traction because everyone would be like, "Wait, I'm sorry, what? Who's who's better than him?" But at the end of the day, what does it is? It is interesting because when you look at Tyrus Proctor and Mark Mitchell, as you mentioned, we've almost been grooming them to leave uh, after the season's done. The fact that they came back for a second year was like, "Hey, we got we got some borrowed time. This is great. We can we can work with this." And and now. Uh, there's at least speculation that they may consider coming back for yet a third year. I, I know Jeremy Kane will probably consider coming back for a second year alongside Caleb Foster, but it would go to, it would be like, how, yo, how is this team going to work next year? We're going to have 37 guys and all of them going to require 20 <laughs> minutes a game. We don't have that. So yeah, it, and it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Well, and, and the other thing is, I mean, John Shire has now pretty much abundantly shown us that he's not a guy who's going to do the Leonard Hamilton, everybody plays 20 minutes kind of strategy. He's right. going to find the six, seven, maybe eight guys that he likes, and it's going to be tough for anyone else to get time. You know, these are issues. These are problems. If you're someone who wants to see a lot of guys uh, playing in Durham and, and returning to Durham, but you know, uh, I, I will yeah, say when it comes to Isaiah Evans, right? Like we we've talked a lot about Cooper flag. We've even talked to the show a lot about come on Malawak uh, and how, dynamic those two players are baby ingram is going to be a baller and uh, there's a lot of people <laughs> i love in, you call him in, baby ingram yes yeah yes. <laughs> i mean because because that's his game that's what he looks like that's what he you know he kind of resembles he's from kinston uh north carolina he's from that area so like this is the guy who obviously models his game after brandon ingram we love brandon ingram we loved him at duke oh, yeah. we love him in the nba and if any if, if if Isaiah Evans takes any of his game and brings it back to Durham, we will be a much better basketball team for it. Like we are, I'm so excited about him. And there's a lot of people who think that Isaiah Evans could secretly be that guy who is not going to get the accolades. He's not going to get the national player of the year, like, you know, consideration because of who we have on our team, but he, but he's going to play like one. And that's the that's the key here. He's going to be the guy as long as he's cool with like, yo, I'll be second team all ACC, but average, you know, 10, 15 points game and then secretly be one of the better players in the country. Yo, that means we're going places. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting it. to see how that how that works. I'll definitely take it. Absolutely. We'll take it. All right. Hey, last thing, just really, really quick uh, in this week's edition of the polls are stupid. I just want everyone to be aware of a dude named Brett Bloomquist of the El Paso, Texas Times. Brett Bloomquist is one of the voters on the AP uh, the AP poll that everyone cites every week, that everyone's like, oh, this, this is the ranking of the teams, the AP poll. Brett Bloomquist submitted his ballot this week, and when he got down to the pick number nine, he, he put in the name of the Arizona State um, Sun Devils. And look, I love Bobby Hurley. Love Bobby Hurley. They are not the number nine team in the country. This year, Arizona State is 14 and 14 on the season. <laughs> Ken Pomeroy says they're not even in the top 100 teams in the country. But Brett Bloomquist said Arizona State, number nine. Now, it would be easy to think that he had just like made a typo, misclick or something like that. Oh, he meant to put Arizona at number nine. Because there are a lot of people, Arizona's like on all these bouts between like five and 10 or so. That would make total sense if he just accidentally did Arizona State instead of Arizona no, no, no. He has Arizona at number seven. So he, or sorry, he has the number six. He intentionally picked Arizona State for number nine. Needless to say, when the ballots came out, people were like, how the heck is Arizona State getting this many points? They looked at all the ballots. They went, one guy, one guy picked them at number nine. A short time later, Mr. Bloomquist revised his ballot, his AP ballot, 
He removed Arizona State completely. They went from number nine to unranked on his ballot. They disappeared. He moved everybody up one spot. He inserted Dayton in the number 25 spot. Everything. If you look at the polls today, AP put out a correction. If you look at the numbers, they're all fine. There's no Arizona State anymore. How ridiculous are the polls that one guy can go, hey, I think this team that's barely, that's not even 500, it's not even in the top 100 in any of the metrics, I think they're number nine, and it just gets counted. Like It's just part of things. It shows you how silly the polls are, and it shows you that, the frankly, the AP and the voters don't do a good enough job of vetting this process. It, it, it let, let me vote before you let a joker like this vote. I I am going to mostly disagree with you here, Jason. I, I don't think this dude did this on purpose. It's very clear that he didn't do this on purpose because he, ri- he revised it very, very quickly after being pointed out that, yo, you put Arizona State in Arizona. And I get it, right? This guy's from El Paso. He's a beat writer for UTEP. He went to Texas. He probably in his mind was thinking Arizona and he probably put it down and then he forgot that he put him at six and then was like, was it Arizona, Arizona State? Whatever, man. And just like put it down and it was probably some mistake. I don't think he did it on purpose. I, I don't think he's probably seen Arizona State play enough to even throw them on the list um, like on, on purpose. This feels like, and also if you think about it, we have this happen from time to time. It's just not really you know blown up as much as this one was because he put Arizona State in the top 10. Right. Usually it's like, like you yeah. know, Steve Spur, you were voting for Duke in the first coaches poll of the preseason uh, in football when we were, were 0 and 12 the, the year before. And, yeah, you know what? And Everybody's I get this, 0 and 0 I, at that point. I, I, right. But I get that. I get that's different. I get that's different. But my point is, is that some guys, you know, there are beat writers who are like, oh, if you remember, there was a couple years ago where we were number one and we had every every pollster voted us number one. We were undefeated at the time. And then there was like one person who was like, UConn. And you're yeah. like, yo, bro, UConn's like eight and six. Remember, and he, so, had, he had his excuse was, I think, that Duke hadn't played a road game or something like that. Duke, yeah. There, or no, he said Duke hadn't played a road team above like 100 in the Ken Palm at that point. And we're silly. like, yeah. okay, that's fine. But like, don't put this team over here that clearly doesn't deserve it either. Put like a, you know, whoever number two was, that's fine. He voted for the team that he sees every day. So this happens, right? And way more malicious than I think this guy did. So I'm I'm going to give him a pass. It's, it's not really a, a big deal for me, especially since he it, the error was pointed out and he was like, oh, it's oh snap, that was that what I wanted. Let me let me go ahead and put this back. So I, I think it's fine. Um, I, I know he won't do that again the rest of the season. So that'd be cool. Well, the only thing I'll add is that there should be some accountability. Like if you're correct, and I think you are right. I think that he made a mistake in some way. So first of all, there should be some sort of system where. Like, are you sure? Like, yeah, we, like, we do it in every every form that we fill out online. Yeah, are exactly. you sure you want to submit this? Yeah. Are you a robot? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but the other thing is like, he hasn't gone on Twitter. He hasn't gone on any of the other social medias. He hasn't written anything to explain what happened. Um, look, I'm not saying he owes all of us an explanation, but. I'm saying he owes all of us a little bit of an explanation. He's someone who has some power in college basketball because as much as I rail against the polls, as much as I think they are silly, they do matter. They they have an impact on what teams get covered and other things like that. And look, I know one guy doesn't necessarily matter in the sea of the other you know, 40, 50 pollsters or whatever else it may be. But this process matters. And I think if this guy had any stones at all, he would own up to exactly what happened. He'd explain it to people and we could move on. I'm, anyway. I mean, he hasn't, I don't think he's tweeted in like a month. I, I checked. So like I'm okay with him. Not again. I I think this is more of a nothing burger than, than you do. I think that's where we 
uh, yeah. you know, agree to disagree, and that's cool. Um, Again, I'm not I saying it, you, I'm not saying it matters, but kind of. Yeah, but I, I do agree with you in the accountability part, right? There are some pollsters who put out their votes every week, and they let they let the the void kind of scream at them and say, "Oh, you you have my team that's you know 13 and 17 at uh not in the polls. They should be number one." Like he, they, you know, Seth Davis every week he puts out his poll and he basically says, "Let let me have it, guys. What do you think?" Um, and, but he's like, this is the poll that I'm putting out. And if, again, if there's a correction, then he can do it. Some pollsters don't do it. It's just like everything that we, that we vote for in life, like, especially in the sports world, like the hall of fame votes where there's guys who hold grudges and they don't vote for certain players over others because they don't like them or because they're like, ah, eh, I don't ever vote for anybody on the first ballot. Like those sort of things. That's where the accountability doesn't come into play. And I think this one, yeah, sure. He explains himself and says, Hey, I, I totally blanked, uh, or had a, you know, had a brain fart, whatever. Um, my bad, all good. But like, there's also the people, as I mentioned, who will vote for the team that they cover because that's the team they cover and they think that they're the best team in the country or they, they have a homer pick of some sort. And that affects rating that affects it too. Cause as you mentioned, Jason, it affects how we view these teams, right? When, when we say, Oh, this team, these teams are ranked. They must be good. This should be a good matchup. If a team's not supposed to be ranked, then that could be changed differently. So, and also when we look at, you know, they had to think about Brad Brownell and the uh, big 12 saying that they kind of skew the uh, net rankings by yeah, playing yeah. Uh, a bunch of non-conference teams that aren't good, but it's just like, it's just like in football, right? The sec, they rank all the sec teams at the beginning of the season in the top 10 or 15 so that when they play each other a week, it's a big deal. All this can. So that's where I agree with you that there should be some accountability as, Hey, why do you think this team is the number six team in the country? Why do you think this team is number nine? Why do you think this team who beat this other team is ranked below them. Like those are the things that we need uh, more accountability on during the season because it helps fans understand the process. Yep. I'm with you all the way. Okay. I, I, like I said, I don't know that this is all that important. I just thought it was sort of interesting to note. And I was like, you know, come on, dude, at least explain to us what you're doing. All right. With that, Brett, be better. Be better. Yes, exactly. With that, that's this latest edition of DBR Bites. Remember, you can write to us anytime. You know the email address, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our link tree, you know, all that other kind of stuff. We, we appreciate it when you all find little tiny ways to support us and help us out here. For Donald, I'm Jason. Come on, Duke. Let's take care of the Cardinals. Make it an easy night for us Wednesday night. I would enjoy that. And, hey, you know what? Let's game the system a little bit. Beat the crap out of them. Let's boost our net rating. Let's boost our Ken Bomb. There you go, baby. That's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Again, for Donald, I'm Jason. Duke fan. Play us out. Take us home.